What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Friday, April 16th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, the podcast that we are giving away free to anyone who's gotten the vaccine. Yeah, also free if you haven't gotten the vaccine yet, but yeah, what Gideon said, it's true. (laughs) We don't know if podcasts can technically be sold. Today, we're monitoring the fatal shooting of 13-year-old Adam Toledo by police in Chicago more than two weeks ago, who was holding his hands up. Body cam footage of the killing was released yesterday after intense public pressure. I won't be watching the video, but we'll link to that ongoing story in our show notes. But first, the latest for today, where we wanted to recap one of the week's biggest news stories, the nationwide temporary pause on administering the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. Even before this development, Bloomberg News reported that certain U.S. states and cities had a growing surplus of doses by all manufacturers. It signaled that there are some pockets of people hesitant to get the shot. And so this recent news isn't the best for making sure everyone gets in line so we can achieve herd immunity soon. But we're focusing on the most sensational headlines, that the first reported cases of the rare blood clotting disorder occurred in six women. Johnson & Johnson later reported that there were two more cases of people who also developed blood clots, including one 25-year-old man who participated in the trials. Right, but the fact that it's predominantly women who develop these rare symptoms got us thinking about a long-standing problem in the medical research field, accounting for the ways that men, women, children, people of various races, and more, all react differently to vaccines or drugs. There are pitfalls in thinking that there's always a one-dose-fits-all. So we wanted to dive deep into this issue with an expert in the field. Rosemary Morgan is a research scientist at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. She's also the Associate Chair in Inclusion, Diversity, Anti-Racism, and Equity for the International Health Department, where she's currently studying the gendered effects of COVID-19 on several international communities. Rosemary Morgan, thank you so much for being on our show. Great. Thank you for having me. So we wanted to start with, um, you know, the main news of the last few days. So when you first heard the news about the Johnson & Johnson shot being paused because of these rare blood clot conditions that had come up, but only in women on first reporting, what were the initial questions that you had? Well, firstly, why is it only women reporting these these specific side effects, blood clots? Is there a biological explanation for this? And if so, what is it? Uh, Also, more broadly, how much harm is the pause going to do in terms of vaccine hesitancy, specifically among Mm -hmm. women? And to be more and to be more frank, a bigger question I had was if if they are so concerned about the risk of blood clots, you know, particularly in relation to the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, why hasn't there been a similar concern for the birth control pill? You know, I I, yeah. I recognize that the mechanisms are different, like different types of blood clots. But for for the risk of the Johnson and Johnson, it's one in a million, right? But for birth control, mm-hmm. for every ten thousand women taking the pill in a given year, between three and nine will develop a blood clot. 
And which is concerning. It may not be as a serious a blood clot, but it's still a blood clot. And why now? Why do we care now? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we also know that there were a number of cases where women face side effects with the AstraZeneca vaccine as well. We still don't know if that's, you know, the definite connection there. And also that could be because, you know, more women just are receiving the vaccine in general. But do either of these cases give you concerns about how any of the COVID-19 vaccine research has been done so far, mm-hmm. you know, like in regards to that? Well, my the yes and no. So my main concern with, I guess, the COVID-19 vaccine research is the same with all medical research, to be honest, is whether or not the data that was being recorded, was the data being recorded by sex and then analyzed? So were they even Mm. looking for differences, you know, uh, in both outcome, in terms of outcome data, but also adverse reactions or side effect data? So you have men and women in your study, you know, hopefully it's around 50% men, 50% women. Um, One, you need to you know, collect questions of like, what what adverse reactions did you, or what side effects did you experience? Chills, fever, right? So once you've got that data, what you now need to do is like, okay, how many people reported that they got, had a chills and a fever after? All right, how many of those people were men and how many of those were women? Because right now, if yeah. you look on the, the date, the websites for the adverse reactions during the clinical trials, it doesn't do that. You know, there are definitely some common side effects, you know, sore arm, rash, fever, and chills with the COVID-19 mm-hmm. vaccine. But there might also be some sex-specific side effects. So right now, I don't know if you've seen recently in the news, while it's anecdotal, uh, some women mm-hmm. are reporting disruptions in their menstrual cycles. And, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and, and Can attest. Exactly. Yeah, Can see? attest. See, and it's anecdotal. I know some research. Some researchers mm-hmm. are looking at that now. And, and more broadly speaking, um, can you talk about why women and men can have different reactions to vaccines in, in a general sense? Sure. So we do know that women report more side effects from vaccines in general. So not just COVID-19. I, I do research related to the influenza vaccine, and it's the same. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of data to support that. So when it comes to vaccines, mm-hmm. women experience a greater immune response with that can make vaccines work, actually work better in women than men. And this mm-hmm. is due to how hormones like estrogens and our genetic makeup affect the functioning of our immune system. And when it comes to drugs, particularly women absorb and metabolize drugs at a different rate than men. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And that that's a great lead into the next question. You know, we know that modern medicine is mostly based on how white men react to medical studies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even in the Johnson and Johnson vaccine trials, 44 percent of participants were women, uh, though there were more, you know, there are more women on Earth than men. That is just a fact. Uh, so what is the history of white men being the so-called mm-hmm. default? And, you know, what problems has this caused over time? Sure. Um, and this is like an issue I feel particularly you know, strongly about. I get up on my, my soapbox and <laughs> makes you know, me... I'm up here with you. <laughs> I'm angry. mad. It makes me angry. It does. This, this issue makes me really angry. Um, so the fact that clinical research has this historically neglected sex and gender differences. Um, so, yeah. you know, in the United States particularly, so prior to 1993, it was the U.S. Revitalization Act of 1993, women were excluded from clinical trials. And so mm-hmm. they were excluded primarily due to, you know, fear of potential harms to, to pregnant women and their fetuses. And also how might women's hormones affect 
So the decision was made to use the male body. And as you rightly pointed to, it wasn't just any male body. It was a male body of a certain height, weight, age, also white, um, as the standard by which everything else was measured. So many drugs that it, on, in the market today, especially those that were developed pre-1990s, uh, are therefore based on research which excluded you know, women and other groups, like minority men likely as well. Things have changed. Women are included in clinical trials now. But are the outcomes being compared differently? And you mentioned what the implications of this are. So yeah. There was one study, for example, that showed, and this was in relation to the influenza vaccine, that women's response to a half dose was similar to a men's response to a full dose in terms of effectiveness. Right. So the question is, if men and women are being given the same dosage, and this is often based on mm-hmm. research on male, what worked for men's bodies, women tend to be smaller. A really good example mm-hmm. to highlight this is related to Ambien, which is that common yeah. sleep, yeah, common sleep aid. Yeah, is it that that one that made Roseanne racist? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she yeah. was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, my Ambien." If just, that's who was tweeting, exactly. Just to say, Ambien does not cause race. It does not cause racism. <laughs> However, the yeah. research has shown that Ambien has been linked to higher rates of car accidents among women in the morning. And this is because men and women were being given the same dosage, 10 milligrams. And when men woke up, it was completely out of their system. But when women woke up, it was still, some of it was still in the system because they metabolized it differently. So really, women should be getting five milligrams, not 10. This is like about sex, some drugs. And the the question is also with some vaccines, should we be having sex-specific dosages? Absolutely. And I mean, this does in ways go beyond gender too. You know, you've done quite a bit of research about these disparities in vaccine trial representation, particularly among women and people of color. Uh, Now, I did my own deep dive on the J&J trial data, and I found that 44% of um, those people, uh, of the participants were Americans, but almost three-fourths of those people were white. And, you know, I get that the company may be American, so maybe that's why Americans, you know, are such a big chunk of the study, but the entire world is hoping to rely on that research, and the majority of the world is not white. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does it even make sense to have a trial that is not diverse like the world's population is? Diversity in medical research is so important, whether it's gender yeah. or racial diversity, you know, data needs to be collected and analyzed in a desegregated manner. Sometimes some differences may present as behavioral or biological, but are actually the result of larger socio-structural inequalities, such as structural racism. So this is where, you know, racism does cause health inequities, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which affects minority, you know, these inequities affect minority access to healthcare, healthy food, education, you know, the actual environment environment. that they're growing up in, if the air is bad. Exactly. I mean, sort of to that point, you know, uh, I just anecdotally, I have asthma in my entire life. I've been prescribed albuterol and it wasn't for, you know, most of my life that they had ever researched the differences between, you know, how races react to it. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of black people and Puerto Rican people, albuterol is ineffective. Mm -hmm. I found that out this year (laughs) for the first time talking to a specialist. (laughs) And so, you know, I just think that it's a really important point that you're making, which is that like, you know, we're not saying that if you're a different race, you are in, in any way lesser than or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just that the medicine should work for you. Exactly. You answered your the question before by why is it problematic if we're only measuring things against white male body? And 
racial groups, you know, black Americans mm-hmm. versus white Americans experiencing this differently, it goes without should to me, it goes without saying that black women might af- mm-hmm. things might affect them or should will affect them differently than black men. But mm-hmm. we yeah. are not totally. seeing these types of intersectional analyses, which I think are so important. Yeah. And, and to kind of bring it all back to what may or may not happen here in the next week or so after more research is done, is there a possibility that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine gets recommended for certain groups in the United States and not others? And then also, how do you balance out the risks of any vaccine that gets rolled out so fast like these have been mm-hmm. against the need to find some solution to COVID-19 immediately? Because I could definitely hear a pharmaceutical CEO, you know, try to defend themselves, uh, you know, mm-hmm. answering any of these questions saying, well, the virus has the potential to be so much more lethal than any of the things that we may or may not have missed throughout our clinical mm-hmm. trial data. It's really important that we understand or, you know, think about what the risk benefit ratio is. So what's the risk to me versus the benefits that I might get? And this has to go with vaccines or medicines. I mean, how many commercials have you seen on on TV for drugs, you know, especially in the U.S., the U.S. thing? Um, I'm actually Canadian. This is a U.S. thing where the list, you know, the list of potential side effects are like the length of your arm. (laughs) And they're so fast. Mm -hmm. You don't even know what they're saying. But, you know, but people still take them. Right. Why? Because Mm -hmm. the potential benefits for them outweigh the risks. And I think it's the same with vaccines. You know, and the one thing with the, the COVID-19 vaccine, I think is important to recognize is that, you know, the rollout was fast or it seemed very fast, but you have to understand that the infrastructure to develop the vaccines was already there. So the science right. was mm-hmm. there and so much work had already been put into this that they were able to produce it so quickly. So, you know, it is possible that after more research, a certain vaccine might be recommended from one group or another, and which may actually be due to biological reasons. And I don't necessarily see that as problematic. Like we need sex specific dosing, you know, as long as Mm -hmm. people are making informed decisions based on their own risk benefit analysis. Right. Yeah. You know, we can't let perfect be the enemy of the good. (laughs) You know, all of the issues that we're talking about here today, unfortunately, can, you know, sometimes undermine people's trust in science because we can point to enough examples of times Mm -hmm. that science overlooked some pretty crucial information. Um, what can scientists do here in this case, you know, as a step to rebuilding trust during such an important time? Like, how do you think they can sort of mend what is already broken? As scientists, it's really important that we have clear messaging, for example, you know, and that we answer people's questions as they come up. And it's also important that the messaging we put out are not is not alarmist. Uh, I think that's important, especially mm-hmm. with these vaccines. So Yes, more women are reporting side effects, for example, but these side effects are more often than not mild. And it it actually right. means women's immune systems are working. You know, they're more robust. They're, they're ramping up. They're working. Um, so it's how can we fix what's already broken? I think we also need to talk to each other and make sure we're doing appropriate and correct science that is mm-hmm. in, that's di- <laughs> has diverse representation, that we're asking the right questions, And that, to me, these equity questions are so important. Absolutely. And knowing more about how trials and tests work and how it may filter down to us when we go to the pharmacy or a doctor, what's your advice to people for when they get that next vaccine, whatever it may be, or that next prescription? What questions, if any, should or could they be asking from healthcare professionals about, you know, dosages, for instance? Hmm. The questions that I would have 
I don't think local pharmacies or pharmacists would be able to answer because yeah. they, they wouldn't know. So, you <laughs> right. know, yeah. my so my questions are actually for those conducting the research in the first place. Are your samples diverse? Are you disaggregating and analyzing your data by sex and other stratifiers? Are you asking the right questions in the first place to understand how men and women might be affected differently? So when a woman or man, when a person goes up and talks to their pharmacist, talks to their doctor and asks, what might side effects might I experience? They can tell them the right answer. They can say, look, your menstrual cycle, if if we do see it's linked, might be disrupted. It's not just about fevers and chills. It's not just about a sore arm and a rash. And, you know, I think... The, the med pharmacists and doctors need, we need the science and the data for them to be able to, to also give, relay the right information to women and men. Rosemary, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Oh, great. Thank you for having me. That was Rosemary Morgan, a research scientist at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. And that's the latest for now. We'll be back after some ads with a special headlines guest. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? 
And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. And today we have a very special guest, comedian, actress, and star of Home Economics on ABC and co-host of Best Friends with Nicole Byer that comes out every Wednesday. It's a podcast. Listen to her. You get them. So she is Amada. Hello. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. you. I, I... I like that I had to bring my own sound effects. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you didn't a, have them set up for me. Mm-hmm. We apologize uh, yeah, for know, the bottom no of our budget. <laughs> no budget. <laughs> no budget. It's hard. It's hard in these COVID times. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, there is a great new way to make money, and it's called getting scurvy four years ago at Firefest. <laughs> um, a class action settlement was reached this week, and now the 277 people who attended the event in 2017 will get about $7,000 each. As a reminder, Firefest was pitched as a luxury music festival on a tropical island, and when people got there, they found no music, limited water, FEMA emergency tents, and meals mm-hmm. that can only be described as apocalypse lunchables. You hate to see it. Um, well, I actually love to see it. Uh, founder Billy McFarland and co-founder Ja Rule faced dozens of lawsuits since the disaster, including one that ordered McFarland to pay $5 million to two attendees who bought $13,000 VIP packages. So, Whoa. yeah, that's uh, that's the new Dogecoin, I guess. Uh, there are no true winners in this case, only people who lost less than others. McFarland is still in prison, serving a six-year sentence. I wonder how much money is that guy who... Um didn't he, he suck dick for water? Just yeah. Right? Yeah. I hope he sued as well. He deserves how, at least a million. How much is he getting in compensation for that? <laughs> yeah, he deserves he more than it, anybody. Right? And he said it on TV. I mean, that's damages for the rest money. of his life. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He shows up, you know, he, uh, that's, everybody's asking where the water's at. <laughs> <laughs> Or they're like, I got some water for you. How about this? <laughs> exactly. Oh, poor baby. Well, in Canada, there was a tragic example of Zoom fatigue overlapping with clothes fatigue. A uh-huh. liberal lawmaker, which I love that they keep saying liberal lawmaker, because if it said conservative, we'd be like, this makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <lawmaker>. exactly. <laughs> Accidentally. He accidentally exposed himself during a virtual meeting of Parliament this week because he didn't realize he was on camera. William Amos of Quebec was apparently changing into workout clothes, which, you know, the message here is never work out. Uh, (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) It's a trap. Save save your job. Never work out. Uh, His mistake was called out by a fellow lawmaker who also used the opportunity to shoot her shot. We have seen that the member was in very good shape, but I think that uh, this member should be uh, reminded of what is appropriate and to control his camera. Thank you. Whoa. Surprised she didn't go farther. And she's like, "Uh, this member is very long and (laughs) this member is very Just in case you don't know who we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about the one with the really big balls. (laughs) Mm. Um, The incident led to plenty of jokes, but also criticism of the people who leaked the pictures and helped spread them online. If you guys like nudes so much, I'm sure there are at least one or two others on the internet. But that's like... Illegal, right? Shouldn't everybody be <laughs> like that? Only government officials were on the Zoom, so you yeah. know, yeah, you know someone. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's pretty straightforward. It was that person yes. who uh, was like, got him. Well, got now him. he's a famous Amos. It's true. <laughs> exactly. The second one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's not what he wants. Uh, President Biden is finally standing up for the nation's computers, hitting Russia with sanctions yesterday for its role in a massive hacking scheme last December. Mm. And this is the first time the federal government has openly blamed Russia for executing the so-called SolarWinds hack, which compromised computer systems of multiple government agencies and around 100 private companies in the U.S., do not worry. My laptop was untouched, even though it contains dozens of hilarious reaction gifts that the Russians, quite frankly, would have loved. You are missing out, Vlad. Uh, the solar winds hack <laughs> was first detected back in December, but the Trump administration was a little hesitant to acknowledge it, let alone blame Russia. That is just not how you treat your ride or dies uh, in these times. The sanctions will affect Russian financial institutions, tech companies, and individuals the Biden administration deemed responsible for the hack. I didn't hear about this when this actually happened last year, and so I was like... Did someone hack the wind? Like I thought that all the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I thought that all the like the solar winds, the, the solar winds. So the so I guess wind during daylight that's being hacked now and yeah. redirecting yeah. to other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all belongs it, to Russia. No. Oh that's my gosh! Well, we don't want that. We don't no. want that we at don't. all. We we need some wind. It'd be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, A group of scientists have decided to reboot evolution by successfully growing human embryos inside monkeys. Mm. Everyone has their little quarantine project, and theirs was (laughs) laughing in the face of God. (laughs) (laughs) The facts of the experiment were published yesterday in Cell. Not in Cell. Cell. (laughs) 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 By a bunch of incels. To clarify. And they're a little less freaky than the one-line summary. The embryos only grew for 19 days, so no one had to address the question of who the monkey baby would call mom. If you're wondering why someone would do this, like I am, besides just to freak everyone out, scientists hope that by learning to grow human cells and animal models, they'll eventually be able to grow organs, which could be used for transplants. Just be aware that if you do get a hybrid monkey heart, you will become addicted to bananas. You know, I've heard about this. And the monkey ear, you know, you know how they're like sometimes don't hear evil. That could be a real hindrance. <laughs> Ooh, or or even see evil. Big. Yeah, no evil. Or I mean, speak yeah, it. Speak it right. Yeah. Let's just All decide what, I mean, what animal more, we want. More crime. Play. More crime will happen. I tell you that. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> exactly. This is the crime that we all need to be looking out for, quite frankly. <laughs> My goodness. Well, Sashir, you are absolutely a ray of sunshine. Is there anything else that you would like to plug anywhere else people can find you? Uh, All my socials are at the sheer truth, T-H-E sheer truth. And yeah, my podcast, Home Economics is airing right now. Um, We're going to film Woke Season 2 soon, so catch up and watch Woke Season 1 on Hulu. And, you know, just be kind to each other. Oh, wow. What a wholesome what a good way message. to end the headlines. Well, those are the headlines. <laughs> that is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, collect $7,000 from Billy McFarland, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just terrifying species combination news like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And And turn turn off off your your Zoom Zoom cam. cam. You don't even have to have it on when you join. There's no excuse. Yeah. 
pants off, Zoom cam also, also off, please. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Every day feels like Saturday, and French fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide, and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. I'm Jessica Reeves, and I've been analyzing and reporting on extremism for the last 10 years, and I have the gray hair to prove it. Subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, for an always eye-opening look inside the daily work of exposing, fighting, and disrupting all facets of extremism. My co-host, Oren Siegel, and I explore this ever-changing landscape and bring you stories of people and places impacted by extremism, those who fight to protect our communities, and those who offer new perspectives. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts.